The world has a population of nearly 8 billion people, spread across seven continents and 195 countries. It's a mind-boggling figure. And finding just one of them without any clues would be like hunting for a needle in a thousand haystacks. If I'd really thought about that two years ago, we might not be hearing this podcast at all, because, well, the chances of finding Juan Carlos seem so small. We know he's out there, somewhere. But a man who moves location as freely and frequently as he does, who uses different identities everywhere he goes, and who doesn't seem to have a base of any kind, he's about as elusive as you can get. But Christian and I had made a pledge to find him, and we wouldn't be deterred by the odds. By the end of this episode, we'll be glad we weren't. From What's the Story Sounds, this is Con Juan, Episode 6, A Travelling Juan. In the last episode, I felt I was inching nearer to finding Juan Carlos. I'd found a clue, a social media account, which led me to another and then another. And while those didn't give me a location of where Juan Carlos might be, they could tell me who he'd been spending time with, who his friends were, and who might talk to me. I tried contacting a few of those people who had been in the photographs with Juan or who had exchanged messages with him. But many told me they didn't know about his story and they didn't want to get involved in whatever I was doing. But when I got a reply from someone who appeared to be his closest friend from 2019, well, I was excited. The only people I'd met who actually knew Juan, they'd been friends as kids. I'd not met anyone who'd known Juan as an adult apart from the cops who'd investigated him. But now, here was one of his Facebook friends, an actual, real-life friend. I was traveling extensively uh, through Europe for for the last few months before I met him. This is Julian. Actually, that's not his name. He's asked us to use a fake name. But this is his voice and his story. Julian told me that he met Juan Carlos in 2018, on one of the final legs of his plans to travel the world. I had recently uh, been let go from a job and uh, I kind of liquidated all my things and decided to go traveling uh, and figure out what I want to do. So um, I went through Scandinavia, Western Europe and Eastern Europe. And um, by the time I got to Eastern Europe, I was pretty low on cash, but I was very much determined to get to Southeast Asia and be there for my birthday. I had been watching a lot of um, YouTube videos about people hitchhiking around the world, people doing it for very cheap, staying in hostels, taking buses, camping, see how far I can go and how much I can do um, with what I had. So Julian scraped together enough money to jet off to Asia, to Bali. And that's where he met a new friend. I think he was around in the hostel in Kuta. I didn't really notice him. I think he was just kind of around. It wasn't until we would go out to this club that had a buffet. And all, I think it was all you can eat and then you get two drink tickets as well. And it was only $10. Uh, you know, I can't remember how much that is in Indonesian rupee, but 
it was cheap. He was asking me if I was going to go, and I said no. Uh, I went a couple times, and um, I I don't want to go anymore, and also I don't want to blow the money. And he said, "Oh well, I'll, I'll pay for you. You know,、um, you can go, and we'll come. We'll have a good time." Julian didn't know quite what to make of his new acquaintance, but alone in a strange city, they hung out. He seemed like an older guy. Maybe just needed some.、Um, You know, companionship or something. So、uh, I went. I think the first time, or、uh, he he paid for me two or three times. And the first time, or maybe the second, a couple times he didn't even go. So I thought, wow, that was really nice of him. Juan's generosity extended beyond a ten-dollar nightclub entry too. There was a couple, a couple of single guys,、um, and. They were all going to、uh, the islands, Gilly Gilly Islands, and、uh, again he asked me if I wanted to go. I said no, I I can't afford that. And he said, well, you know,、uh, no problem. You know, I'll take care of it. And、uh, we partied, and he would literally give me money to sp- you know, you know, spend money on women and food and take them out, and I was. You know, super happy about that. I was like, "Wow, this guy is really, you know, being generous." Gradually, little by little, the generous traveler started to reveal more about himself. He said that he was a、um, ambassador, about ambassador's son, or amb, yeah, he was an ambassador's son.、Um, And he was just exploring around. He had lots of money, no problem. So don't worry about it. So no one really questioned that. He kept his story of being an ambassador's son. I think the ambassador of Mexico or something like that. And he was traveling、um, all over the all over the world. He's been to sixty countries. He. He showed he had a Rolex and all this like expensive-looking things, you know, just a couple small expensive-looking things. He went to school at Oxford and、uh, graduated with all sorts of stripes and things like that. An Oxford-educated ambassador's son. I mean, I would say you couldn't make it up, but well, clearly you could. He was very confident about himself. And、um, even you know, close to arrogant,、uh, you know, saying he only flew first class and all these other, you know, I stayed at the Ritz Carlton, which I thought was funny because he was at a hostel, at some cheap hostel in Bali. Despite Juan's quirks, Julian had no reason to disbelieve him. I figured maybe he just wanted to meet some younger people. Maybe he just wanted to meet people because you know when you're at a hotel, it's not as friendly. Juan even treated Julian to a New Year's trip to Bangkok, and that's when things started to change. I remember the first awkward thing was、um, he we got a room right on I think it's called Kosan Road, the, the main backpacker strip in in、uh, Bangkok. Right on New Year's, and、um, 
we the first room that he booked was a had one bed and we walked in there and I said no I'm not sharing a bed with you like we can get two separate beds and uh, I remember he was a little weird about it and I he, he was like oh it's fine we can share beds and I was like that's that's odd that night uh, I had brought a girl back and he was in our room so I went back to the one bedroom place and it was still available and I hooked up with a the girl there and then the next day he was very moody and this and that saying um, Oh, I don't just being moody and I would ask what's wrong and he would say nothing. Juan Carlos was keen to treat Julian to whatever he wanted. But it seemed that Juan wanted something in return. I've told him several times, uh, I'm not interested in you in that way. I'm not interested in men. I'm not attracted to men. I'm your friend and uh, I care about you as a friend, which I did. Uh, and... But at the same time, I'm going to be myself. I mean, if you, it's nice that you are offering to, uh, you know, sustain my financial things, but I'm not to be like bought out. It's clear that Juan wanted more, but he was also content to just have a traveling companion. And Julian put that down to loneliness. It just seemed to me that he was he needed some companionship and he needed some friends and maybe because of his age or just his social awkwardness, he had trouble, you know, retaining friends. And I figured he was just lonely and, and wanted to hang out with some people. At the start of 2019, the pair parted ways. They kept in touch via email until eventually, well, that fizzled out too. I reached out to several other people who travelled with Juan and Julian around that time, at the end of 2018 and the early part of 2019. They remember a generous man. They told me that he was happy to give money away. In fact, Julian even told me a story of how Juan offered and paid for Julian to get his teeth fixed, and on another occasion picked up his medical bills when he fell sick. But neither Julian or anyone else I spoke to knew anything about Juan's real life. I felt a little bit sad because um, he was a good friend, and um, but he was just kind of totally a fake person to me beyond his like interest. And um, I kind of felt that it's sad that to have a li- live a life like that, you know, kind of always watching your back. Julian also told me a story, a strange tale of how Juan had stayed back during one of their travels. He said he had some work to do. He hadn't said what the job was, but when they met again, Juan was flush with money. It seemed to me, joining the dots together, that as recently as 2018, Juan Carlos was still committing robberies. But where had he gone since? I didn't expect Julian to have an address, but I hoped he might be able to give me a steer in the right direction. He always talked about Spain, the king of Spain, and so much you can get, you know, do in Spain. So Spain and Mexico were the two places that he really admired. Um, Yeah, those are the two places 
you really talked about. He hated America. <laughs> uh, and then he would kind of talk about London, but, you know, the fancier this and that about it. Oh, I guess he went to Dubai at one point, too. But uh, Spain and Mexico is probably the places I think he felt like a safer place. So, Spain. It's what Christian and I have been speculating about. Maybe Juan was lying low in a country he felt safe in. I knew that he'd frequently visited Barcelona a few years ago. If we were going to focus our search anywhere, it had to be Spain. I asked Christian if he had any contacts there. So Christian, everyone's telling me that Juan Carlos, if he's anywhere, it's going to be in Spain. Which, by my quick looking at... Let's see what Google tells me. Have you got any contacts in Spain? Uh, no. <laughs> Excellent. Right, there's 47.35 million people in Spain. It doesn't feel like we've narrowed it down that much, but uh, everyone's saying that's where he's going to be. Okay. There's an idea he's got a Spanish... Yeah, he's got a Spanish flag tattoo. And even 20 years ago, when we arrested him, one of his forged documents was a Spanish driver's licence. If people are saying he's going to be in Spain, then, yeah, it's very likely. You can travel around most of Europe pretty easily from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, stick a pin in Spain and uh, let's start making some calls. Yeah, why not? Let's see what we can dig up. And then I went back through his records, his arrest papers, news articles and his Facebook accounts. I was looking for anyone based in Spain, any mention of Spain, and I wrote to everyone I could find. And in amongst them, on one of his many Facebook pages, was someone with the same last name, Guzman Betancourt. I figured it was a brother or a cousin, and they lived in Spain. So I wrote to them, on the off chance that they could help. And sure enough, the reply came in Spanish. And it said that they did know Juan. But they couldn't put me in touch. They said I should stop making approaches and that they'd pass Juan my number. If he wanted to call me, he would. And that was that. I didn't get any more replies. Nobody called. And we began to think about how to end this podcast with Juan Carlos still in the wind. And then, in August of 2022, I received a WhatsApp message. Hello, Daryl. How are you? I am Juan Carlos Guzman. You have been trying to contact me for some time. This is a friend's number, so you can contact me via this for the next two days, as I no longer use electronic devices. So, I wait for your call. Oh, my days. Was this really Juan Carlos? messaging me from a friend's number. How should I reply? What should I say? I genuinely went through the thought process of don't look too desperate, don't reply straight away. But it was all nonsense. I hurriedly replied with, Juan Carlos, thank you for contacting me. What time's a good time to talk? Could you speak later? I couldn't wait to tell Christian the news. So Christian, it's happened. What has? I got a reply back from Juan Carlos. What, no way? Seriously? Yeah, me, yeah, yeah. Let me read it out to you. Hang on. So he says um, he's using what is clearly, well, clearly not his name. I was driving in the car and I got this message came through on my phone 
from a WhatsApp I didn't recognise. Uh, and full confession, I had a quick look and then I had to pull over to read it properly. It says, Hello, Daryl. How are you? I am Juan Carlos Guzman. You've been trying to contact me for some time. This is a friend's number. You can contact me via this number for the next two days as I no longer use electronic devices. So I wait for your call. And then he says, this is the best, this is the bit that made me, as I was thinking like, is this like a mate of mine winding me up? But then he says at the end, I believe I wrote back to you from Wilhelm's home. And that's the prison we went to, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Wow. I can only assume this is him. Uh, his profile picture is a sandy beach and a blue sky. How very romantic. If that is him, that's... This is kind of the olive branch that he put in the letter when he was like, I can't speak to you now, but one day. And then out of the blue. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, just the fact that he's independently engaged is a good sign. Yeah. So... I no longer use electronic devices. What, what does he do then? Uh, I just... I, Dara, I just don't believe him. <laughs> well, look, I'll, I'll keep you updated as and when he replies um maybe there'll be news tonight let's see but uh yeah we are in communications with juan carlos it's great news it's great news and then i sat watching the gray ticks below the message which indicated to me that it was unread will they turn blue will he read it he did and then well then Juan Carlos sent me a voicemail. Well, I guess you won't need to hear from me anymore then. Here it is, Juan Carlos's own words in his own voice. Hello, Daryl. Good afternoon. Oh, sounds lovely like me. <laughs> yeah, as soon as you can call contact me, you can uh, actually do it. I have no problem with uh, the timing as long as you do it before um, midnight. As I got to sleep very early now, so please uh, try to do it sometime before 11 p.m. so I can uh, I can attend your call. Okay, so con- uh, just confirm me at what time you can call me. Call me before midnight. This could be the only chance I'd have to speak to Juan. What was he gonna say? Tell me to leave him alone? Well, maybe. But then why get in touch at all? I thought about recording the call and I checked with our lawyer if that would be okay. But in the end, I decided to just record my end of it. And a few minutes after 11pm, I rang Juan Carlos. Hello, is that Juan Carlos? Yeah, yes it is, yeah. How are you? The conversation was bizarre. He talked to me like we'd been mates for years. He told me that he was in New Zealand, which made no sense if he was worried about getting to sleep soon. He said he couldn't understand why anyone was interested in him. He might be happy to meet up, but he'd like to have a think about it. Over the next days and weeks, Juan and I danced the dance. It was more like arranging a first date than an interview. We discussed the location. Juan insisted that he was in New Zealand and offered to fly out to see him, but he declined. Then he offered to fly back to Europe and he suggested that we could meet here, somewhere. The only caveat was that he wouldn't say exactly where or exactly when. 
Then we got a message with the name of a town on one of Spain's islands. Meet me here. Um, Daryl, uh, good evening. Sorry about it, the noises, but uh, <laughs> I could not avoid it. Uh, look, uh, just just uh, try to arrange everything between you guys and let me know uh, what days you can fly uh, to that island. And as soon as you are over there, you let me know, okay? I thought about taking Christian with me, but Juan wasn't keen on meeting him. He said he didn't trust the police, and I didn't want to spook him before we'd had a chance to talk. So, I went with my executive producer, Sophie, and with 48 hours' notice, we booked a flight and set off for one of the strangest trips we'd ever have. The flight was early, packed with Brits on their way for some end-of-the-summer sunshine. The airline staff wished us an enjoyable holiday. I couldn't help but feel that we were being set up in some way. Since the instructions had come through, Juan hadn't read my last message. He hadn't confirmed a meeting time or place. Was he even planning to meet us at all? It's that end-of-season vibes, isn't it? Maybe he's going to turn up in his coach, in a Tui coach. Are you nervous? No. I'm hungry. I'm nervous that we've not heard from him. Yeah, it's usually... All day. Wait, do you think we could be being conned? <laughs> well, I guess this is a... a problem with meeting con, then. We booked a hotel in the main town and waited for instructions. It felt like we were in a movie. And then the text came. Meet at 6pm. Outside the casino. Of course, where else would a con man want to meet? I'm deliberately not telling you the name of the island. Juan asked us not to. And while I'm thinking about it, it's worth mentioning that we checked out the legalities of meeting a man technically on the run from the UK. There was no existing arrest warrant for Juan in either Spain or the UK. And it was made clear to us that if Juan was on British soil, he'd be arrested but there wasn't going to be any attempt made to pick him up overseas. So we went to the casino on the edge of town and sat at a table just outside. We tried to be discreet or as much as we could be while keeping an eye on all the passers-by. Right, Steph, why do we think he wants to meet us after six? Reckon he's got a job. One of the world's greatest thieves has a nine to five. Where? That guy in the shorts just went across there. See, I'm looking shorts. for someone with a certain sartorial flair. I'm not. I'm not expecting him to be in, like, a T-shirt and shorts. Oh, that's why I think I am. I oh. think I'm expecting him to be quite casual. I don't imagine he's dressed up for us. I assumed he might drive past first to check out if there was any police around. Maybe he'd send in a friend to make sure that we weren't going to be a problem. But then... As time ticked on, nothing. Hey, Juan, it's, uh, it's Daryl. I hope you get this message. I'm wondering if we're still on for meeting. I think we are in the casino that you suggested that we meet in, um, unless there's another one. Let me know uh, if we're on track, um, if we are in the right place. If you're running late, it would be great to see you soon. Thanks, Daryl. 
All right. Cheers. Bye. This felt like the most ludicrous, expensive and ultimately pointless mission of the entire hunt for Juan. Was it all going to end here, with us two sat outside this casino? If we haven't heard anything by six, I think it's safe to assume it's off. But then, just as we'd given up hope, a rather dapper-looking man crossed over from the other side of the street, looking in our direction. It's him. I think it is him. As he got closer, I could see he was tall, walking purposefully. There was something about him as he almost swaggered down the pavement towards us. And sure enough, it was Juan Carlos. It is! It is him. Looking back, you were totally right about the outfit as well. Well, I'm going to have to go and say hello. You are. Juan Carlos! Hello. Nice to meet you. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm wonderful, thank you. This was it. Juan Carlos was here, alone happy to put on a microphone and talk to us. I must admit, I was a bit worried we were never going to find you. <laughs> and then I was a bit worried that you weren't going to appear. Uh, I'm the kind of person who says six is six, not five. And what he said, well, well, that deserves an episode or two all to itself. Next time, you'll hear the interview with Juan Carlos Guzman Betancourt, the first time he's ever spoken in English. And I promise you, he tells us everything. Con Juan is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's presented by me, Daryl Brown. The words of Juan Carlos are played by Vidal Sancho. Music is supplied by KPM Production Music and Universal. The executive producer is Sophie Ellis. And our consultant, the man who kicked off this journey, is former detective Christian Plowman. What's the Story Sounds is the home of great storytelling. If you want to listen to more What's the Story content, you can visit our website at whatsthestorysounds.com and you can subscribe to What's The Story Plus where you'll find ad-free content, bonus episodes and you'll get exclusive access to episodes and series before anyone else. You can find all the details on Apple Podcasts. <laughs>